0: That was, a, that was easier, Jeff, than having to switch over. So, Okay, open with me to Deuteronomy 6 as we get started here this morning. I'm David Gordon, one of the pastors among our elders, and we're going to dive into the scriptures now. We, we so appreciate God's presence in, in worship. I, I trust that you were able to Feel, to sense the Lord's presence here. Such a good thing. Psalm 73 says that the nearness of God is our good. All we need is nearness, right? And now we're going to open the scriptures. Our, Our heart and our hope this morning is that God will come and instruct our minds. He will come and illuminate things for us. We need instruction from His Word. We need need the opening of His Word to bring light to us. Let's just pray that for a moment. Father, we ask that the opening, the entry, the unfolding of Your glorious written Word would come. Lord, it would come like light. Bring illumination to our minds Bring, Lord, instruction to our hearts. We ask you to speak to us this morning. Bring clarity, God, as we open the Word by the Holy Spirit. Last week, I began a two-part series, and today is the second part. I was talking about two words that have really marked my heart and life for about three decades now of walking with Jesus, Word one was passion, and we dealt with it last week. This morning, we're going to look at the word discipline, okay, discipline. And so here are some things that will be helpful in your walk with Jesus. So last week I was centering, is a, you know, the whole time we were talking about having a passion for Jesus. Let's look at that in Deuteronomy 6. Okay, we'll just begin to pick it up because I think this will be helpful. And um, I was talking a bit last week about um, passion for Jesus. I began praying this prayer in 1995. God, give me a passion for your son. Father, the way you love Jesus, put it in me, God. Put it in my family, Lord. Lord, those that you've called me to help lead God, give us a passion for Jesus. Last week, first thing I said last week, if you remember, is this is a dangerous prayer. You ever thought about prayer can be dangerous? It's not dangerous to God. It's dangerous on our end because when you start praying a passion for Jesus, God is going to answer that prayer. But what he's going to do is he's going to expose things that are in the way of keeping us from having a passion for Jesus. Y'all remember I said, God, I want a passion for Jesus. And he kept showing me in my marriage, in my family, in the ministry, he kept showing me pride. (laughs) And finally it came, Lord, I am not talking to you about pride. I'm talking to you about a passion for Jesus, Father. Increase passion for your son and me. He's like, but David, I'm talking to you about pride. And he was beginning there to expose one of these central themes that's in the place, in the way of having a passion for his son. You start praying this prayer, you'll come under the exposure of light and God will begin to show us things in us that hinder, that, that are like Jesus. But this, this prayer is also not just a dangerous prayer, it is a precious prayer. Meaning that God really will begin to answer this. He really will begin to give us a passion for his son. When we begin to single out many things, maybe that one thing of having a passion for Jesus will begin to increase. John 3:30. You remember? John the Baptist looking. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1:29. Us. He must become more. Ah, we must become less. And so we want to grow in a passion for Jesus. Again, a dangerous and yet a precious prayer. Both exposing us and also encountering us with this. Let's pick it up from Deuteronomy 6. This is known as uh, the Shema. Hear, O Israel... Right? Verse 4. You know, the, my understanding in Hebrew, they did not have a, a word for hear and a word for obey. They were one word. <laughs> because if He is truly God, when He speaks, we ought to hear, yes, but it ought to get into our heart, into our hands. We ought to, as... As you tell you, you ought to get to stepping when God speaks. So hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And he comes to verse 5. And this is, Deuteronomy 6, 5 is a core prayer among the Jews. Even to this day, they pray this prayer twice a day. The only thing I remember about two a days, Drew, was... Football in August, high school football. You practice in the morning and you practice in the evening because it's too hot during the day. Two a days. How about Psalm 1, verse, delight yourself in the law of the Lord and meditate upon it day and night. And so this is a prayer that ought to be a prayer for each of us twice a day at least. We ask God, would you do this in us, Lord? That we would love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our strength or might. Not going into the detail there, I'm just going to hit the heart piece. The heart was understood in the scriptures as as the seat of our reflections and our affections. Now think about this. Our affections flow in proportion to what I'm reflecting on. In high school, I'm always thinking about girls. My affections are going there. You know, if I'm reflecting on God, my affections begin to move toward Him. And so we want to pray this prayer, God give us a heart, give us an undivided heart. God give us a passion for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, God, would you put it in us? And so this is that prayer, we want to pray it multiple times a day. It's interesting, if you will, move with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. Oh, it is up back there. Okay. Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religious leaders of his day. And Matthew twenty two thirty six 36 says, Teacher, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou keep Sabbath. What what is the, what's that primary and Jesus brings and he quotes Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 that we just looked at. Here's, here it is. Matthew 22 verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall have passion, passion for God. Yes, we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, Soul and mind. And so we see that this encompasses all of what we are. Our heart is our, the seat of our reflection and effect. Our, our life, our soul is all of our life. Uh, with all of our might and strength would be our resources. All that you have, God is like, channel it toward loving me. Man, you're talking about living with a one thing mindset. This is what we're after. We say, God, would you, would you do this in us? Notice what Jesus says when he gets to verse 38. He says, This is the great and foremost commandment. The word great, the Greek word is megas. Say that with me megas. We get the word mega, like the megalode or the mega, like something really big. He's saying this here is the mega, here, here is the greatest and foremost is the word protos for first. This is the greatest and first commandment. Love God all that you have. And so this is again part of what is beneath my understanding of having, that we would have a passion for God. In 2018, I made my way across the big pond again, Romania. And I was going. I was going to lead a uh, involved in helping to lead a camp. About 120, I think no, it's about 130, 140 Romanians, young adults, and a lot of young married couples were there. Some children there, et cetera, And it was a great time. For about a week, we worship and pray, and teach the scriptures, and lay hands on the sick, and minister the word, and had fun, it was just a great experience. But I remember one day, about third day in, there's a young lady, maybe about 25 years old. Her name was Theodora. Theodora uh, pulled me to the side and she spoke great English and a crooked Romanian, like maybe about 15 words. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, I do know what vodka is, though, in Romanian. Cow, right? No, vodka. They said, vodka. I said, oh, I know what that is. (laughs) They said, it's a cow. I was like, oh, no, I missed that one. (laughs) Oh, we had so much fun in those days. Theodora, she said, David, I I want this one thing thing i really want this passion for jesus i want to grow in intimacy with god yes let this be central beloved she said i want i want this and here, when i when i spoke i said theodora i said cry out for it ask god seek it number 2 build a fence around it and thirdly guard the precious what I told her. It just came up out of my spirit. Get a passion for Jesus. It takes years. Guard this passion. And so this is where I want to go this morning. I want to I talk about this, this thought. Doug Bannister wrote a book called Word and Power Church. We're going to have longevity in having a passion for Jesus. It must be coupled with discipline. Or As you know, your passion will fizzle out. Some of you know the name John Piper. He spent about four decades in Bethlehem Church up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He's retired now doing a number of other things, but John Piper made this statement years ago, man. And I began to think about that a bit. That maturity in God, going deeper, moving higher, growing and have a right motive now. It's really helpful. In the 90s, there was a book I read. It might have been late 80s. Some of you probably have it on your shelf. I'd encourage you to pull it back out and blow the dust off. Ordering your private world. Have you ever noticed? Think about it. Many of us, we have our public lives in order. Our bank accounts are in order. Our workspace is in order, right? Are you kidding me? There's an an acronym that I developed, I think it was back in 2009, for oil. O-I-L. Do you guys remember Those 10 virgins in the context of the end of the age, Matthew 25, it says that all 10 had lamps, but only five, half of them had actually oil to burn lamps at the end of the age. I'm not going into what the oil is there. I'm simply saying we need oil But here here was the acronym for me. Oil is having an ordered inner life. I'm telling you, if we have an ordered inner life, we'll have fruit in our public lives. If we have an ordered inner life, we'll have stamina in God. We'll have strength for endurance and perseverance until He comes. We'll be able to fight through whatever comes against us because I have order in my inner life. Oh, God, give me an ordered inner life. I'm going to give you just real quick, so if you heard me teach this before, let me give you the three Ds while we're right here, okay? The three Ds. If you want to see life 3D, <laughs> make a decision this morning because I'm getting ready to go in to how to guard passion. Make a decision. Draw a line in the spiritual sand. These are times where we we have spiritual markers in our walk with God. Draw a line in the spiritual sand. Make a decision. Number two, discipline yourself in that decision and go after it day by day. And number three, desire will come. I think many times desire fizzles out because we don't understand many times desire is third level make a decision discipline yourself and stay in that discipline you know you've heard it said it takes about 21 to 30 days to build a habit what would happen if we got into the word and had a real prayer life for 30 days I'm telling you, every one of us will be different. And you know what will begin to happen? Desires and passions for Jesus will be increasing in our walk with Him. For sure. All right. Let me me move on into these because what I want to talk now is I want to talk about these spiritual disciplines. I'm only going to talk about four. Just real brief, okay? Okay. Spiritual disciplines that do this. They help guide and they help guard. These spiritual disciplines help guide us into passion for Jesus, but they also help to guard our hearts from the things that take away passion for Jesus. I'm on, uh, who's back there? Jamie? You got my, is it up? Jeff Lau, you the man. I have this drawn out with colors in my journals and all that stuff, but Jeff actually took about five minutes and did what I cannot do. (laughs) And you're like, what in the world is that? I give you permission now if you want to. Pull out your phone take a picture of it. Or maybe we can put it on the website or something. But one, one of the things that I want to begin moving into now is let's talk for a few moments. About this very thing and what I'm gonna do this morning is not try to go in all the detail I'm just gonna hit okay because of time but I I want us to look at this thing look at the center for a moment you know what this is this is taken from 2018 and many years before that but this is you ready get a passion look in the middle build a fence, and guard the precious. That's what this is up on the, up on the uh, screen. And so this, this middle, it looks like fire, it, it could be a burning heart, it could be this. And I want to tell you something, Colton, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you wants this more than you do. Holy Spirit wants us to have a passion for Jesus more than we do. He's always going to be leading us to him. You know, we sing, come Holy Spirit, or we even talk about the Holy Spirit. Don't get wigged out, guys. Are you kidding me? Here's why. Because the Holy Spirit's always going to get our eyes on Jesus. We'll have a problem focusing on the Spirit. He is necessary to get our eyes on Jesus and to help us persevere in this age until the coming of the Lord Jesus. This fire, give me this passion, God. Give me, Lord, I ask you a burning heart. Would you reread this week Luke 32? No, is that right? Luke Daniel 32 and Luke, Luke 24 town of Emmaus about seven miles northwest of Jerusalem on the day of the resurrection it says who were not our hearts burning as we were walking and they didn't know it was Jesus at that moment at that, at that hour and a half two hour walk they didn't know it was Jesus but when they got to the house They realized that Jesus was revealing Jesus to us from the law and the prophets. And it says, were not our hearts burning? You want a burning heart for God? It's going to come by looking at Jesus. Having a revelation of Jesus causes our hearts to burn. I talked about that last week. Not going to go back into it. Okay. Let's look at these. These are four if you wanted to add many more, there's a great book out by a guy named Richard Foster. But I'm just highlighting four areas that are necessary for us to put at the fence of our hearts so passion can continue to burn for him. You could add one, you could subtract, don't subtract, no. But you might could, could add a few here. And this is a, a very familiar passage. But I found for many, many, many years, it's so necessary to keep going back to passages like this. Because as each of us know, the verse, Luke 10, 38. Jesus was traveling, came to a village. A woman named Martha welcomed him, Jesus, into her home. And she had a, she had a sister, Mary. Look what Mary was doing. Mary was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. This is a a tremendous posture of prayer. Sitting at his feet, listening. Many of us think prayer is always about talking. And if you're a talkative person, the Lord loves to hear your voice. But there's a time when the Lord will say, and I'm going to tell you guys, many times we're not hearing the Lord because we're not taking time to sit at His feet. Maybe we're not taking time to sit long enough. And we, we, we're, we're on the go Christian. This is mandatory for us. Look at verse 40. Martha was... And there's a trifecta going on. Look at this. Martha was distracted by all of her preparations. Verse 41. Martha, Jesus says, you're worried and bothered. She was distracted, worried, and bothered about many things. What God wants us to do is move from being a people of many things that distract us Calls us to be worried and bothered. And he says, look, I want you to be a Mary in the midst of many. I want you to sit at my feet and hear my voice and listen to my word. Amen. And I know many of you know the value of this. I'm saying at our north gate... Prayer is a great way that we enter in to passion for Jesus. And it's a great way to guard against distractions and busyness. Amen. Help us, Lord. Look what Jesus said about about Mary, verse 42. Martha, really, only a few things are necessary. Really, only one Only one thing is actually necessary and Mary has chosen the good part and it shall not be taken away from her. Mary chose to sit at his feet even in the midst of serving. She she chose to sit. How is our prayer lives? We're going to give invitation in a moment. You can sit right where you are. But also, we're going to open up the altar and give opportunity. Maybe there's one of these areas we're going to cover now that you say, yes, Lord, you've been talking to me about this one. I want to nail it down afresh. I want to draw a line in the spiritual sand this morning. God, i make a fresh decision. And so this, this pursuit of prayer, and guys, if you don't, if you don't, you don't, you want to grow in your prayer life, just pray the Bible. Sit before the Lord and pray the scriptures. It's actually the best place of prayer. Because we stay in alignment with God by praying his word. All right, let's go to the western gate. The cross. You say, how is that a discipline? I'm going to show you how. So you guys remember uh, 2 Corinthians 5? It says, God who made Jesus to become sin for us, right? God made Jesus to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. It's it's an idea of substitute. Jesus was a substitute sacrifice for me, for you, right? This substitution is powerful. But listen, if you leave the cross only as a substitute, you might find yourself among the Western church walking in cheap grace. So let's get to Luke. Go back a chapter. Look at Luke 9. And I want to say this to us. The cross is not only a substitution. It is also participation. This cross that we are so grateful for Jesus doing for us what we could not do for ourselves this cross must enter our daily walk as we learn to crucify the flesh and walk with a passion for Jesus look at Luke 9:23 Jesus was saying to them all Luke 9:23 If anyone wishes to come after me, you know what Jesus is saying? Look, you want to be my disciple. Here's here's the deal. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Follow me. I have what you need. Follow me. You want passion for me? It's going to require denying ourselves and taking up our cross. Notice this word. It's the only place it's used. Among the gospel writers. He uses the word daily. And this is why I'm saying. Is it up there? New American Standard. I don't know if some of the other versions have it. But it's there in the original Greek language. That we would take up our cross daily. That we would lay down our lives daily. We would crucify the flesh daily. We would come after Jesus. By way of coming through the cross daily. It is such a necessary, quote, discipline that we would take up our cross. And you know, ultimately, in a Jewish mind, among those disciples, they understood the cross and taken up daily. It was ultimately an understanding that I'm even willing to lay down my life in martyrdom for the one who laid down his life for me. As we grow closer to the end of the age, we will see an increase of martyrdom in the church. For the sake of the Lamb, for allegiance to the Lamb. This is real. Don't play with this. It's serious, right? Let's go to the southern gate. The southern gate. Y'all see what's up there, right? The scriptures. Oh, how we thank you, Lord, for your word. Go back with me now to Proverbs chapter 4. I'm winding down. Y'all say, I'm glad he's winding down because when he gets to that eastern gate, we don't want to talk about that one. But we will. Alright. Proverbs 4. Notice <clears throat> verse 23. At the southern gates, the southern part of the fence, where we're the be guided and guarded, right? Look what he says, uh, Proverbs four twenty three. Watch over or guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Look, if springs of life are not coming out of me, it's probably because I'm not guarding my heart with all diligence. How do you do that the context rules and in interpretation right let's just pick up a couple of them you can reread all of chapter 4 and you'll see it over and over verse 1 Oh sons the instruction of a father give attention that you might have understanding verse 2 For I give you sound teaching. Don't abandon my instruction. Verse 4, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Verse 5, acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Verse 6, don't forsake her and she will guard you. Love her and she will watch over you. Verse 13, take hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her for she is your life. Do you get the context? How do you guard your heart with all diligence so life is coming out of us and we actually have a passion for Jesus? Look at verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. How We know how necessary it is that we be a people of the book. Because I'm going to tell you guys, as you know, there are many deceptions flowing around in our culture. Many deceptions. And we need the truth out our south gate of our hearts To know truth from error. So we'll be able to call that thing out. And not let it get in. And cause doubts and deceptions of our minds. God help us. Right? Okay let's get to Matthew 9. And I'll close up. Matthew chapter 9. I told you I'm just going to hit these. Put some little challenge in front of us. And that's all we could do for today. Um, Let's hit this last one. How do we, God, how do you help God guide our hearts into passion for Jesus and guard our hearts with all diligence, God? How? Oh, at the North Gate, God, let there be prayer in our lives, Lord, at the western gates, the cross, at the southern gates, the scriptures. Now, what's happening over here at the eastern gates? You know what that is? It's an empty plate. Oh, it's an empty plate. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about fasting. Let me share a thought with you here. Um, in this book, um, Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline, he says this in his chapter on fasting. He said, fasting more than anything else, reveals what controls us. Uh, did y'all write that down? Can you imagine? You're fasting. You pushed away the plate. Maybe you're drinking some water. Maybe you're drinking a little bit of juice. I don't know. Follow God. Listen to the Holy Spirit. He will train us how to fast can you imagine, you have an empty plate, you're seeking the Lord, you're fasting. Listen, beloved, listen. Fasting is actually feasting. Do you understand that? Fasting is feasting on God. Fasting is necessary in the life of a believer. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 16 to 18, he said, when you fast, not if. And so here we have this, God, would you help me to push away that plate so that God, even when I can't have my my stomach or my appetite satisfied, that you are more than enough, God. And would you continue to reveal what is controlling me? What would it be like you're on a fast and God show you something that's controlling you and you bring it under the blood into repentance and begin to walk in obedience? This is how you guard your heart and have a passion for Jesus. All right, let me give you a quick thought. I'll leave that one for the the close. Look at Matthew 9. There's a lot here that we could talk about, but I I think there's there's a central point that we can pull out, okay? Matthew 9, 14, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus saying, Jesus, why do we, John's disciples and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? They never saw Jesus' disciples fasting, and they couldn't, they're like, what? Look what Jesus says, and I'm telling you, you got to go back to multiple passages in the law of the prophets, okay, the Hebrew Bible. You got to go back to your Old Testament and understand when Jesus uses the word bridegroom, ding, 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 ding. They're like, oh. Oh, the bridegroom is the one who's coming, not in his first, in his second coming, and he will marry, it will be the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Messianic banquet is coming in Zion in Jerusalem. Amen. But watch what Jesus says. Listen, in my absence, watch this, 915. The attendants, my disciples of the bridegroom right now, they can't mourn right now as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? Now they would mourn on Yom Kippur, that most holy day, right, uh, that when there was repentance of sin for the nation of Israel, of course. But watch what Jesus says. He says, But the days will come, Matthew 9, 15, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus, I believe, is saying this. There's coming a day I will be taken away. I will be crucified. I will rise from the dead. I will ascend to my Father. And in my absence, you fast for my presence. There's something profound about the presence of God that increases when we push away the plate. We learn to feast on God. Instead of eating, right? Instead of eating our food, listen to Job. I'll close with this. Listen to Job 23, 12. Oh my. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I really believe that fasting is not about not eating. It's about weakness. It's about feasting on God. It's learning how to receive from the Lord when we push away the plate. Now, if some of you are on medications, talk to your doctors about this, okay? You you need need to think about that. I understand. But probably 90% of us in this room can fast. Let me close with this thought. Some of you have heard of the Didache. The Didache. D-I-D-A-C-H-E. The Didache was a, basically like, for us it would be like a small pamphlet. (laughs) That was written by the original disciples of Jesus. Okay. And it has about 16 chapters. You can just Google it. Google Didache and read it. 16 chapters. I reread it again this week. Sixteen chapters, about the size of 1 Corinthians. And it's simply them quoting the scriptures and things Jesus said, basically. But it's interesting, and I think it's chapter 8 on fasting. Think about what that first century original disciple understood. They said this, we will not fast like the hypocrites, the religious leaders who were fasting outwardly to be seen and noticed and honored by others. Here's what they said. They said, we will not fast on the second and fifth day. That would be Monday, Thursday. We will fast on Wednesday or the fourth and sixth days. So we know the early disciples fasted twice a week. I'm just saying, what would it look like if we just had a 24-hour period as a church? You take a day here, day there, whatever. But a day, a 24-hour period a week we will see a vast shift of passion for Jesus increase in our hearts. Let's push away that plate once a week, 24-hour period. I found the best is uh, just as an idea. Don't eat on Sunday evening and wait again till Monday night. Yours might be eat on Wednesday and wait again till Thursday evening. And what do you do during that day? You feast on God, right? You pray. If you do physical labor, it'd be a little bit harder. But God will show you how. Instead of go eat that cheeseburger, eat, a, eat, a, um, eat an apple. Do something different. Discipline ourselves is healthy. Let's push away that plate and say, Oh, God, we want to feast upon you. We want to feast upon you. Just in the spirit of prayer, if the worship team will come. Guys, I, I want to ask you to not rush this for the worship team as well as us as a body. Let's don't rush this. I, I, I want to ask any of us, you, you say, I want to draw a line in that spiritual sand this morning. I'm making a fresh decision at the north gate. The east, west, south gate. I'm making a, an intentional decision afresh this morning. And you say, I want to nail that down this morning. I want to give myself to this discipline. Only God sees us here, beloved. But I want to I really, I call us. I tell you. Most of my spiritual markers where God touched me, gripped me, and I drew a line in the spiritual sand, something profound about coming to an altar, and just talk to God about it. Something about coming, and and look, it's not to be seen, not to be noticed by men, but you're just saying to the Lord, and beloved, listen, feel free, obviously, to stay right where you are, stay seated. But I want to ask us afresh. Would you take one at the northeast, west, or south gate and say, Holy Spirit, I hear you loud and clear this morning. I'm going to give myself here. I'm probably going to do a follow-up on this so I can go into more detail on a few of these on Wednesday night if any of you are available. You can come to the middle building and we'll have the adults there. We have child care. Beyond child care, we have children's ministry and our youth ministry. What's the Lord saying to us this morning? What is... uh, What is Jesus highlighting to us? We come to submit afresh, God. Say yes. Let's just worship and sit before the Lord and hear what he has to say as we just make some solemn agreements with God. Thank you, Lord.